Hello, I'm John. I'm Paul. I'm George. And I play the drums. From Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette. And Chachi's co-host, Beatles instructor at Suffolk University, David Galan. Well, hello, everybody. It's Chachi, and welcome to Get Back to the Beatles on Pod617.com. Here we are for our big 50th anniversary White Album presentation. Here with my dear friend and instructor of the Beatles class at Suffolk University in Boston for, what, 15 years or so, Mr. David, Professor David Gallant. We also have a very special guest currently working on a book regarding specific elements of the Beatles music, Mr. Tom Kelly. Hey, Tom, how are you? Great. And so we go into side two, which starts with a song that's a favorite of mine. Uh, It could have been on a Paul solo album, uh, a song about his dog, Martha. And here it is. Trombone. No, no, it's not yeah. a trombone. Well, I think so. So there you go. From the joys of, of gun loving at the end of side one, you start with Paul's love for Martha. Interesting, Paul is Live, the album that came out uh, a bunch of years ago, uh, has a picture of Paul walking a dog on the cover uh, on Abbey Road. Right, right. The dog is walking him. It yes, the dog like, is right? walking him, but that <laughs> dog is a puppy. For Martha. There you go. So there we there go. go. Martha, my dear, I like the song. I always have. I play it a lot on my show. I'm looking for your opinions. What do you think? Well, you know, I think it's a first glimpse of uh, um, what we might mm, uh, see and hear a lot in terms of imagery with solo McCartney. Uh, you know, domestic bliss, uh, the sheepdog, the Scottish farm, uh, and uh, all of those sort of, you know, uh, tributes of, of home life and domesticity. I mean, that's, it's, it's straight sort of, it's sweet, but it isn't saccharine, if you, if you know where I'm going with that, nice. right? So it's, um, uh, it's a great way to open that, that side. This one, it reminds me a little bit too, uh, not terribly, but a little bit of Penny Lane in that it's, it's very British sounding, you know, and of course he's, very British. I mean, he's he's really into being British. So, um, you know, and it's very nice. If we didn't hear that it was about his sheepdog, we wouldn't know that. So, of course, we know, you know, at least what part of the inspiration is about. Right. But, um, and as far as he ends up writing about um, domesticity and, um, you know, and, and a secure life, John Lennon, on the other hand, you know, has had never really known that except for living with Mimi. So, you know, there's there's a big difference in what they know. <laughs> right. Remember uh, uh, McCartney's assessment of of uh, whether or not he was going to try LSD. Right. That that great moment from the anthology where he says, "Well, you heard that. You know, you're never quite the same again, and you never get back home again." I was frightened by that idea. I think John was excited by that idea. Right. To get mm-hmm. away from himself yeah. and and recreate and. 
and McCartney needed that pull of uh, uh, of home. I mean, you, you you see that in any new interviews and with James Corden mm. going back to home, talking sure. about his dad and his brother, you know, and 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 what was missing there, right, was mom who died when he was very young. And so there's always those gaps in the home life. And he fills it in with when he meets Linda and all the kids, taking on her daughter and having kids of their own. So, you know, it's part of those building blocks of, of, of making home for him, right? In that very English way that you're talking yeah. about, Tom. And so you have this great sweet song, nice song by Paul, Martha, my dear, about his dog, although he doesn't say hold your paw out, he says hold your hand out. And then you go from there, and this is what was great about John and Paul, yin-yang, uh, positive, uh, sarcastic, uh, yes, no, we go to I'm So Tired, a, Paul, a song that John wrote in India because all he did was meditate, so he was tired and he couldn't sleep at night. The hysteria of John with this song, I'm So Tired. My mind is on the blink. I wonder, should I get up and fix myself a drink? No, no, no. I'm so don't know what to do I'm so tired my mind is set on you I wonder should I call you but I know what you would do you'd say wouldn't you wonder it's no joke it's doing me harm you know I can't sleep I can't stop my brain you know it's three weeks John wrote this in India, couldn't sleep, he's with Cynthia, Yoko's writing him letters, he's thinking about Yoko, he's with Cynthia, and there you go. All that piling up in the mind of John Lennon, and he writes this great song called I'm So Tired. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Well, you know, one line that's great, and I, I was able to to read it what we call in the <clears throat> in the literary trade uh, intertextually that um, it made sense to me when when the insult was thrown around in a funny way on Monty Python about being a stupid git that I first heard it and <laughs> I'm so right. tired about Sir Walter Raleigh right and tobacco and you know I mean the Beatles and especially Lennon he's going to tell you who he is in his songs right and so this doesn't come from nowhere, right? It's born in India, but what is it? It's a descendant of I'm Only Sleeping, which is a descendant of Nowhere Man, and throw good morning, good morning in between. It's Lennon's way of, of admitting I'm lazy and I love to lie in bed and watch television, right? And some of his great political moments with Yoko, they're in bed, right? So, right. I mean, I'm so tired. I'm so tired I'm going to lie here and, and promote peace, and so it's a great it's a great part of if you put it on a mantle shelf. I'm so tired with with I'm only sleeping, which is I thought of is his great predecessor to this song. It's the same song with a different a little bit different sensibility sensibility and and fun lyrics. I think it's great when you can stay in bed and just still get work done, and that's what John did. If, if only, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? Well, and also, I, I mean, I think when you start bringing up other songs, I think I'm only sleeping. I, I think it's a, a much better song, but maybe because it, it there is a similarity and that one came first. So the other one feels a little, you know, but I think I'm so tired. I think it's a really good vocal from John Lennon, which for someone who was self-conscious about his singing, 
he certainly takes some uh, chances with his vocals. So I think that's really good. And I think it also, um, when he's talking about trying to get some peace of mind, that may have been part of the uh, motivation for them all going to India. So it's interesting. Whoever did the the run, the order, you got John's I'm So Tired, you know, bookcased between these two Paul songs, Martha, My Dear, and the next one, Blackbird. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free uh, There you go, a lone voice in the night that rises above the adversity Just Paul and his guitar, his tapping foot and some bird sounds from the Abbey Road Sound Effects Library, uh, one of Paul's most memorable songs. And of late, he's been pushing the fact that it was uh, because of the social injustice that was going on at the time. But back then, uh, that wasn't really said. So I don't know if this is Paul with his revisionist history. On the way here today, the tape, I was listening to the radio, and Paul was talking about how he helped John write the song Help. Now, John's not around anymore to say, you know, Paul, but people forget things change he's he's in his 70s but nonetheless blackbird a a banner song for paul mccartney you know it's it's um i think that the opinion or or mccartney talking about uh uh the song being a, a sort of a coded a coded political statement about um a black consciousness and the civil rights movement uh, is um, it's been a, that sentiment has been around long enough publicly where where if he's saying it now he's not necessarily muddling history but sure. it wasn't it wasn't stated obviously there it was just in the song because he was very shy about and strategic about not being overtly political right mm -hmm. that's one a very distinction between him and and uh, and Lennon but uh, certainly it's a consciousness raising song it's also another one of those McCartney guitar songs that. A lot of kids who grow up and they go take guitar lessons. The guitar teacher is going to do this one, do yesterday. <laughs> this is it's kind of Tom. Is that is that right? Is it well, yeah, a standard it, to yeah. learn your way through? Well, because it was there was bound to be um, acoustic centered songs on this album where so many of the songs were written in India with acoustic guitars, and so this would be a really good example of that. This is one. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those big guitar songs that, you know, uh, well, the one thing, it's one where you start playing it, everybody who knows the song recognizes it as soon as you start it. Mm -hmm. So it makes a good one to, um, to play. And uh, as far as what the song means, maybe subconsciously he did mean that yep. at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was only in later years that he started talking about it. To feel comfortable talking right. about it, right? I there's there is some irony to that in that it probably would have given him a bit more gravitas within, you know, the Beatles if he had come out with that when it happened mm -hmm. because he was seen as more of the lighter Beatle and John was, right. you know. So 
but either way. So here we are. Chouch, uh, if I may. Sorry, sure, sorry for the interruption. Blackbird's a song, one of these songs that has a thousand lives, and I don't have the full list of its uses in popular culture, but I have this distinct memory of um, watching The Wonder Years when it first came out in the late 80s, and you know that was a nostalgia show and famously featured Blackbird at the end, tail end of one of its episodes. Oh. And it couldn't have been used more perfectly, but I feel like every few years Blackbird pops up in, in popular culture in some way. Is that when uh, 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 Kevin gets his first kiss from Winnie I Cooper? I think that's right. I think oh that's right, God. David. Yeah. <laughs> no, Everybody's favorite episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never watched that show. Anyway, so here we are with Blackbird. And the next, so including Blackbird, you have three tracks that deal with birds, animals, and the next one would be Piggies, and after that, Rocky Raccoon. Interesting that they put them together. Here it is. Have you seen the little piggies crawling in the dirt? And for all the little piggies, life is getting worse. Always having dirt to play around in. Have you seen the bigger piggies in the starched white shed? You will find the bigger piggies the dirt always have clean shades to play around with. from blackbirds to piggies now back then in the 60s uh, you would disparage police by calling them pigs Charles Manson adopted this uh, line piggies yeah. and then uh, John Lennon contributed to the song with the pig sound effects an often criticized song some people have called this George's worst song I don't think so what they needed is a damn good whacking is a line that was contributed by George's mom. Piggies. I've always liked it, but I love bacon. So. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, right, clutching forks and knives to eat the bacon, so right. they're, they're cannibalistic piggies, which is part of George's criticism. And it's not what we would consider back in the day. It's not certainly not criticism of the police. There's no. plenty of that in some exactly. Beatles songs about anti-authoritarian songs. But uh, it's, a, again, if we're looking at uh, song concordances, it's kind of a descendant of Taxman uh, in some ways, you know, and, and the, the upper classes and those who are, well, we might say now part of the 1%, even though the Beatles were getting up there. Uh, but, you know, George is looking at injustice, if you will, and putting it in kind of a funny way. And uh, maybe he read Orwell's Animal Farm when he was in school, right? And so, uh, a very English tradition. Um, and it, uh, it makes sense that way as a piece of social criticism. Tom, what well, do you think about piggies? Well, I, I think, too, the, um, prob- everything you just said probably uh, holds up with that song. But I agree, the Beatles, as time went on, it is kind of like Taxman. They, they're becoming, as they become wealthier and more separated really from, uh, especially from the life that they all grew up in. Uh, it probably is difficult. Paul McCartney loves to reference, you know, he, every chance, uh, you know, he gets, he's talking about being working class and being from Liverpool. And well, it's been a long time since he was working class. And, uh, you know, and the same with, um, you know, they started making a lot of money and didn't like the tax structure. No kidding. So, Awful track tax structure <laughs> yeah. over there. And then we went into Rocky Raccoon, a barroom rollicking song from the Old West. George Martin on piano, brilliantly. And like I said earlier, Paul could weave a tail. in the black mining hills of Dakota, there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. And one day his woman ran off with another guy. 
Hit young Rocky in the eye. Rocky didn't like that. He said, I'm gonna get that boy. So one day he walked into town, booked himself a room in the local saloon. Rocky Raccoon checked into his room. Only to when I was a kid, I didn't know what a Gidgen Bible was. <laughs> and I had first heard about it there. And there it is. Maybe another fan favorite for the kids, Professor, and you know, of in, children. In some ways, um, <clears throat> a little bit. I think there are a few too many dark elements uh, for uh, uh, for kids to really grab a hold of it. And it's not a good sing along song necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're 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 in a dorm room and you're half in the bag and someone's got a guitar and they can play it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I do. You know, I mean. Part of their growing up fascination with the American culture that was being pumped into England, and if there was anything on tele- television, you had westerns. Certainly, there were those playing all night at the Bambi Kino when they were were bunking behind the the movie screen in Hamburg. Um, uh, you know, it's a fun song, and you know, it, when I'm listening to my old classic rock, and I'm making dinner on a Saturday night, and I've got the White Album, and then I've got. Dylan's blood on the tracks. I think that this is far superior to Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, which is really eight minutes of Dylan stretching out Rocky Raccoon in some ways, right? A tale of the old West. So, um, you know, it's fun. It's a cinematic tale, like you're saying. Paul loved to write story songs and have characters and populate them, and and he's probably thinking ahead or not thinking at this time. It's a great little music video if you think about it, right? right. You know, someone at the at the old Nickelodeon uh, piano. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Maxwell Silver Hammer. It's yeah. that kind of a setup. Tom, what do you think of Superior Rocky to that. Yes, superior. Yeah, Rocky, Rocky Raccoon. Um, start playing it right when the album came out. Because <laughs> you know, it's only four chords. And uh, But this, uh, you're absolutely right. It really um, capitalizes on uh, England's fascination with America, and especially the West, which... Exists to this day. There's a there was some kind of a home improvement show where they would go around. Uh, this is something I saw when I was over there. They would go around and try to fix uh, things that unscrupulous uh, construction people had come out and done. They were calling them cowboys. You know, the cowboys came and and ruined everything, so they have to have a reputable contractor. (laughs) So we're all cowboys to them. When all of us were much younger, there was an old Western that was on, might have been on ABC. Uh, Our guru here might be able to find when it actually ran on television. It was maybe on ABC television for a year and a half or so. And it was kind of a bad, a bad remake of um, of uh, Wild Wild West. It was called Alias Smith and Jones. Oh, sure. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, it it died pretty quickly here in the U.S. Had a long life over in England. They loved it. Alias it, Smith and Jones. It still Why runs on it? television. It, it, where? Uh, Not on my television. Like on MeTV around <laughs> oh, there. Okay. I see it around there when All I right. scroll. Yeah. But you're correct. So the next <laughs> one, Tom. Uh, this song. Go, oh, go ahead. Did uh, you want to say something, Professor Yaz? Alias Smith and Jones. Slayer, two last Oh, yeah, the Alias Smith and Jones. <laughs> alias Smith and Jones. What year are we talking about? 1971 to 1973. There you go. ABC uh, television, I believe. I was in high school. <laughs> Ridge Tech in Cambridge. 
<laughs> Next track was a song by Ringo that he wrote many, many years before. Well, not many years, but a little bit before. And he tried to persuade the Beatles to record the song. And sometimes in press conferences, they joke with Ringo about it. And uh, they finally got a chance to do it during the White Album sessions. It's a Ringo composition, a favorite of mine in the Ringo category. It just churns along. And uh, like I said, Ringo had it in his back pocket for a long time. Listen for your footsteps coming up the drive. Listen for your footsteps, but they don't arrive. Waiting for you now, dear, on my old front door. I don't hear it. Does it mean you don't love me anymore? Don't pass me by. And this one, uh, there's a Paul clue in here. Oh, my God, Chachi. This is probably... Uh, you know, it's a Ringo song, and but it does, it does, it does play a central role in the whole madness that is the Paul is dead, right? Yes. You know, you were in a car crash and you lost your hair. Um, so you know, for the folks who want to, and you know, read it that way, and you know, the the uses of interpretation or the misuses of interpretation. Uh, yeah, it does. It does play a role there, but you know, it's a fun, rollicking song. And even though Ringo had it kicking around for a while, it plays into his into his country sensibilities and uh, um, you know a, a barroom sensibility that uh, you know it's something they might have someone might have might have played at the Empress Pub down the street from where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, it's uh, it's great that way to hear Ringo in the lead finally now on side two, and you feel as though all the boys have had their uh, had their stage. Now, Tom, you and I saw Ringo perform this at the Wang Center uh, a few years back on his uh, all-star tour. Yes. This song's always been a favorite of mine. Yeah. Um, frankly, if, it had, if the White Album had been a single album, this probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. <laughs> been on it. However, uh, I think it also did... Um, it almost uh, is giving a lot of credit to the fans that we're going to put songs out there that... You've been with us long enough. You probably you might be interested in some some other songs. The other thing about this song, this song and Octopus Garden, Ringo does a good job singing them. But yeah. of course, he wrote them, so it's very easy to do a good job singing a song you wrote as opposed to a cover song that you have someone else to compare it to. That's true. Which might not measure up. Hi everybody, I'm Chami Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships, clients, and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to Pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast, the hilarious show known as Shawshanked, and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. From pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. You're listening to Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette. So, Tom, 
you go into this, you go from this song into another song that, uh, referencing what you just said, maybe it wouldn't have ended up on a solo album, but another one of those Paul songs, a little bit longer than Wild Honey Pie, a minute or two longer, but why don't we do it in a row? Should it have been on the album? Let's take a listen. Why don't we do it in the road? thought it was a naughty song when I was a kid. What were they doing on the road? Were I don't, they having yeah, what, sex? Were they smoking right. pot? Or were they just like in the middle of the road walking? What is the it, Chuck? Tom, Gio? what about this song? <laughs> well, it's open to interpretation. <laughs> that's correct. Uh, so that's a, that's a big plus for Beatle fans. But, um, well, this song, if only for Paul's vocal, especially as the song goes along. Yes. You know, when you think we started out with Back in the USSR, Obladi Oblada, Martha, my dear, Rocky Raccoon, this how many different voices? It's a great, does he have? it's a great vocal performance. This song, it definitely yeah, has balls. balls. It's fantastic, balls. right? Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's guttural. It's little Richard falsetto again. Uh, so he kind of brings out all of the voices that he has, all the range that he has, and uh, you know, lives on forever for a time at least. If any of us recall the movie Ten with Dudley Moore, oh yes, Brian Dennehy is the is the bartender at the beachside bar, and Dudley Moore's the the, the songwriter and uh, you know and uh, well I like songs of your generation uh, right to, to Dudley Moore's character and he's like well why don't we do it in the road what kind of fucking generation is that right <laughs> and Dudley Moore was friends with the Beatles years before you know yeah, beyond so, the fringe so that was why don't we do it in the road and then we continue on with another Paul song a beautiful one I think it might be the earliest song that he's wrote he wrote to Linda no bass guitar but it's it's Paul with his voice take a listen to this one. Will I wait a lonely lifetime? If you want me to, I will. For if I ever saw you, I didn't catch your name. But it never really mattered. I will Beautiful song. I will. A fan favorite is, uh, again for Paul. Uh, very deep for me. I really enjoyed this song. And again, it's Paul doing the bass line with his voice. Tom, what do you think about I Will? Always liked I Will. And uh, yet another voice <laughs> from Paul McCartney. And uh, I was just reading something the other day about I'm uh, commenting about this particular song, about uh, it being kind of a bossa nova feel to it and that that harkens back to um, when the Beatles were playing clubs and, right. they, and they're playing for people and they're playing different kinds of songs right right and they're, they're, that all that experience comes through you know not like they're copying another song right. but they're influenced by all these different types it's of songs three, three in the morning in a club they gotta play something it, in terms of the bossa nova feel it reminds me of the uh, the unreleased song uh, Los Paranoias <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, and uh, this is probably the most unusual moment uh, in class. Several years ago, a uh, 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 hipper-than-usual freshman of mine said, oh, I didn't know the Beatles did this. 
I only know the Allison Krause and Union Station version. <laughs> and so, you know, you hear that a lot. I never knew the Beatles did this song, and it's something that's much more popular, not a deep cut in an album like I Will. And uh, the student had only known Allison Krause and Union Station doing I Will. That's and funny. Uh, I heard them perform it once with uh, Garrison Keillor on uh, Prairie Home Companion. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it fits a lot, of different, uh, a lot of different musical genres or idioms. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's cross-generational or timeless in that sense, really. So you have I Will, and then you have John digging deep into his soul for one of the greatest loves of his life, his mom. He writes a song called Julia. He references Ocean Child, which is Yoko, and uh, a celebrated John Lennon song. Here it is, Julia. song a great ending to album number one a great way to end the record and if you were to send you know a swab of this into you know the dna companies <laughs> nowadays this album had so much going for it and julia finishes the album album number one tom what are your thoughts on julia and just the whole album number one in, in its entirety well i think uh this this particular song, it without it being specifically about Julia, it would be just another, you know, pretty listenable right. song. Right. But if there was, uh, if we needed any more evidence that John Lennon had so much unresolved, uh, you know, issues yes. regarding his familial upbringing. You know, he can't stop talking about it. That's true. I would. I That's would, really sad. I would take this ten times out of ten, compared to the uh, uh, post primal scream therapy mother, where he's carrying on a dialogue and song with his with his mom, uh, and so it's it's part of that same conversation that he's having, but it's done in a in in really a beautiful way. Uh, and in fact, you know, not to get too personal, it was in the running as a, um, a name of one of my children when, when I, had, I had naming rights <laughs> for uh, the, first, the first child that, that my wife and I were having together. I had naming rights for the first name. And it was, it was in the running and partly because of this song. And maybe I wasn't so keen that, you know, her friends might call her Julie, which I didn't like. I like Julia. So it, it did lose out to my first choice, which was Maria. And that's because of West Side Story. <laughs> There you go. Side album number one from the White Album. We do want to thank you for listening. Before we go, a couple of quick things. We want to thank Tom Kelly for joining us today. We want to thank David Gallant. Uh, Tom is a first-generation Beatles fan, and he lived in Liverpool for a time. He got an MA in the Beatles at Hope University in Liverpool. He's our honorary Liverpudlian today. He is. He lived in Liverpool. What did you think of living in Liverpool? Was it? I Well, I really enjoyed it. It was very stressful living away from home. Really? Well, because my family's here. But, uh, yeah. So it wasn't... It. You think of something like that as, well, this is going to be like a you know, long vacation. It wasn't like that at all. It's and, actually uh, great. Thank you. <laughs> but it was... Um, 
it, it was certainly, uh, it, it gave me a lot of understanding about the Beatles. I can see why the course is only done live. They have to live there have to, live to there. take it. And um, it's just, I mean, as I, I have said before, it's very inspiring to walk around these same places, even though the city isn't the same. Sure. You can still walk around and, and go to these places, take the, the 86 bus down through Penny Lane. You know, it's not the same bus that Paul and George would be on, but it's still the same area. It's the same earth. Yeah. Yes. And it's uh, just really, uh, really inspiring. Well, thank you, Tom Kelly, for joining us. Professor David Gallant, who teaches the Beatles course at Suffolk University in Boston. Uh, David Yaz, our spiritual advisor and leader. My name's Chachi Lapret. I host Breakfast with the Beatles on the WUMB radio network, 91.9 FM in Boston, every Saturday morning and every Sunday morning on the Seacoast Oldie Station, 92.1 and 97.1 in New Hampshire and Maine. Today's episode is brought to you by Subaru of New England and Direct Tire and Auto Service, Boston Podcast Network. Tell your friends, subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, and uh, come back because Pod 617 as you can see on your computer, has lots of great shows. So check it out, and thank you for listening to Get Back to the Beatles. Martha, my dear, though I spend my days in conversation.